This is Comic Picks by the Glick. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Glick. Hey, Jason Glick. What's going on? What do you got for on tap for us tonight? Hey, hey, John. So basically, it's like we're coming back to that inexhaustible well of um, comics topics that is the X-Men franchise. Because God knows that I love X-Men. It's like I've been reading them for like decades now. It's like I am thoroughly invested in their um, their ongoing storyline. And in fact, like, you know, it's a long time usual. No, it's like I really liked what um, Jonathan Hickman did with his reinvention of the uh, it's like other franchise for his like for his tenure on the series. Um, starting with um, House of X and Powers of X, or Powers of Ten, if you want to be specific about it. But um, the thing is, like all all good things must come to an end. And well, Hickman is wrapping up his run. Um, well, a little bit earlier than he had initially planned. Because and also to help me talk about this stuff, well, it's like I've had my buddy Rob. Because like, hey, because Rob, it's like it's good to have you back. You know, because like, I, I value your opinions on this kind of stuff. Thanks, Jason. It's good, good to be back. Yeah, but um, the thing is with um, Hickman's run is that he basically had like a huge, huge plan for uh, for X Men. It's basically starting with um, like it was like his uh, like there was Dawn of X, there's gonna be Reign of X, and then Fall of X, which you know was like implies like you know hey like you know a certain like you know arc for this kind of thing. And initially, it's like with the with the radical changes he made to the um, X-Men status quo in um, House of X and Powers of X, I kind of figured that this is going to be kind of like a long walk back to the status quo. And, you know, it's like, that's, I was kind of fine with that. Cause you know, this is how like, you know, comics work. I mean, like, you know, we've got, you know, all these comic, all these, like a, a certain like idea of how these characters are meant to function. Like, and, you know, Hickman's reinvention of them was such that, you know, he took them so, he took the X-Men so far away from what we know, like how they normally function, like you know, like the like the uh, mansion in Westchester, you know, just like you know, like, like in a specific like superhero team fighting against fighting to protect a world that hates and fears them, and you know, he just went and just like you know, just just totaled that idea and just like gave the entire mutant, it's like it's like the mutant like a mutant nation like its own like um I it's like island colony and also gave them agency within a world that you know like wasn't really like, you know, about to, uh, you know, like accept their existence, but also like, you know, offered, but also offer them their own, like their own things, like, you know, like, dr like mutant drugs in order to like help them recognize their so sovereignty. All these things that basically like said, Hey, this is like a new, like, you know, like it's like a new, like a new era for like for the X, X franchise. But at the same time, there's this expectation that, you know, he was going to like walk this back. Cause like, you know, Hey, this is how like, this is how it all works in like superhero comics. Uh, what do you think about that, Rob? It's like, like this is this is how like you know, it always seems with um, you know with superhero comics and all. It's always a walk back to the status quo. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's it, it's it's rare that it's not like that. I mean, aside from you know so, uh, some characters, uh, you know, like they'll age up. You know, you're never going to get Peter Parker in high school again, uh, right. unless they do another uh, you know line like Ultimates. Ultimate, um, ultimate Spider-Man. Right? Yeah, right. Ultimate, ultimate Spider-Man. Right. Um, you know, they they'll they'll make new characters to do that kind of thing. But yeah, but other than that, yeah, they usually always when they do something crazy, like even when it's not that crazy, like it's a legacy thing. Like you know, maybe they have, you know, when they have Sam Wilson take over as Captain America, they have Rhodey take over as Iron Man. They wind up giving it back to the original character at some point. 
usually. Yeah. And in this case, though, whatever plans that Hickman may have had um, to, like, to walk things back to the status quo, they were apparently upended by the uh, by the other riders on the X-Men titles. Because it's worth noting that while Hickman um, has done like extended runs in the Marvel Universe, um, first with the uh, Fantastic Four, and then with um, Avengers, with the Avengers title leading into the um, uh, universe-destroying crossover that was um, Secret Wars, this is the first time that he's actually had to play play well with um, other writers. It's like like in like in a like in a whole line, and apparently it seems that you know that that when um he that when Hickman was wanted to go on to the next like um stage of his X Men plan, the uh, all the other X writers basically said, you know what, we actually really like the status quo. We like the X Men being on Krakoa, being their own nation. And um, you know, like having like this this kind of pull with like the international community, and, like, and also the complications like that arose out of the uh, um, Ten of Swords crossover with the Arako mutants. And apparently, now like this could be retcon later on, but apparently Hickman just basically like heard this and went, uh, "Okay, this is fine," but I guess it, it conflicts with what I was going to do with the. Uh, like with the current storyline. So I guess I'm just going to go ahead and wrap things up right now, which is um, why like his, like, like after, like once the uh, Hellfire Gala um, event, like event came out, basically Hickman was basically kind of like a lame, lame duck writer in terms of contributing, to, contributing to the event because what followed immediately afterwards was his um, big wrap up to the, uh, to his X-Men, to his storylines in the in the current X era, and that would be Inferno. Now, people may remember that hey, you know, there was a previous X Men storyline called Inferno back in it's like back in the 80s. In fact, I've got it in my library. I've got it like looking at it right now. It's like where it was all about the storyline involving um, Madeline Pryor, you know, like realizing what she what she was that she was actually a clone of Jean Grey. And that instead of like being beholden to uh, you know Mr. Sinister's plans, she was going to try and you know, you know like it's like bring bring all these demons demons to Earth in order to like you know prove that she was like a a, a real person and all. So that's that's what um that's what like the original Inferno series is about. This one is a lot different, but it also bears mentioning that uh, it's like that hey you know it's like we've actually had Madeline Pryor show up in a previous X Men title. In fact, something I talked about recently um hellions and no she does not actually have a part to play in this it's like in this um storyline but um i will say that i thoroughly enjoyed hellions and that everyone should go and buy the three volumes and the two issues that were part of ten of swords to um, get um like to get the full storyline of that but um but also it's like you know i've talked about you know like my thoughts on the x-men's choice up to this point um rob um, you've also read Hellions, and I guess also this is your time to talk about any like um, X Men storylines up to the point of Inferno as well that you want to spotlight as well. Oh sure, yeah. So I, I guess I can start with Hellions. I did read uh, Hellions, and uh, and I did enjoy it. Um, it uh, doesn't have much impact on Inferno, and so as somebody like I also read Inferno. I read Inferno, the original Inferno, when it came out. And so when I heard that this was Inferno, I was excited because I loved, you know, there's a lot of nostalgia in Inferno to me because, um, 
It's a title that has weight to it. Right. Well, and I first started reading comics, or at least collecting comics. I read them a little bit earlier than that because I had friends who had comics. Um, Inferno was the first full storyline that that I read. You know, I I read a couple, you know, I came in at the end of the um, Genosha uh, thing, the first Genosha thing where, uh, like, mutants were being, like, held there against their will and having their powers wiped out and stuff. Um, and then it, you know, after that was Inferno. And so, um, I, I was excited about, you know, what, how are they going to tie into that? And then I read Hellions and Madeline Pryor shows up and I'm like, wow, they're really going to do this. Um, I guess we'll get to, to the details of what happens in Inferno afterwards, but it is not, it does not involve Madeline Pryor at all. Nope. So, or demons. So, uh, um, yeah, that was interesting. Hell- Hellions was was great. There were a lot of there are characters in it that I am not particularly attached to, aside from Havoc. Um, uh, I didn't really like uh, when Mister Sinister was first created. I didn't really uh, care for him. Uh, I didn't know anything about him. He was like just mysterious or whatever, you know, because he showed up at the end of, of Inferno, basically, and. And Cyclops seemed to have, the original Inferno, Cyclops Mm -hmm. seemed to have uh, destroyed him. But he's really interesting in this, in in Hellions. Um, He's fabulous. Yes, I'm fascinated by the nature of a guy that that not only does he want to clone everybody else, he creates clones of himself and then has conflicts with his clones. um, Because they're all a little different. Yeah, it's like when he tells his like clone, like when they're trying to decide who's going to go to um to Amenth, and like he says, it's like, well, like why don't you just like you know, let me pepper your pepper yourself so I can like save for myself when I eat your face. Yeah, yes. that was a little disturbing, but <laughs> um. So what I did want to just want to say is, you know, one thing about Hellions is that it has Psylocke in it as as a leader, and I may have mentioned this before. I'm going to mention it again. I am so happy that they split. Quanon and Betsy Braddock because um, uh, I I loved both of the characters and both of their iterations. You know, as as somebody who read the you know long ago the comics when she uh, was not a ninja, mm-hmm. and then when she became a ninja, and both of those character those those the character types you know were great. I really loved both of the characters, but it really bothered me the weird the whole body swapping thing. And there was like, at one point it was supposed to be plastic surgery and just all that stuff is just really crazy. And you've got a white woman and an Asian woman's body and all that, you know, there's a lot of odd stuff about that and splitting them was the perfect uh, answer. And, and so you've got two, the two comics that I probably enjoyed the three, I I enjoyed three comics the most in in this run were uh, Hellions uh, Marauders and Excalibur, and Excalibur has the other, you know, has the other the old Psylocke, Betsy Braddock. Yeah, Betsy Braddock, who is now Captain Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about this before. I know don't don't need to get into that, but I really enjoyed the Excalibur title. Um, it did. Uh, it was kind of a personal enjoyment because I have some attachment to some of those characters. Um, uh, you know, the storyline really didn't have any impact on, on this new Inferno. Um, but, uh, but I enjoyed it. 
Um, Even though it involved both Jubilee and Gambit. Yeah. Yes. It, my two least favorite X-Men. Um, so Tinny Howard was doing something right then. Yeah. I mean, the writing was good. I did not, you know, I did not hate Jubilee's character in it. I just hate the character <laughs> concept and the name. <laughs> and and I hated her taking, you know, Kate Pride's place as Wolverine's little sister and, you know, all that stuff. But but she was good in this comic. Gambit was okay. He annoys me my, mildly, but it wasn't that, wasn't that big of a deal. I've accepted that, you know, he and Rogue are, are together when at first I wasn't happy about that. Um, uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was good. I don't really want to spoil anything about it. Um, but the big one that I really, really enjoy is Marauders. Um, I, uh, has a lot to do with the whole, uh, interplay with the, uh, the Hellfire Club members, you know, Sebastian Shaw and, and, uh, and Emma, and then, mm -hmm. you know, Kate is, um, you know, who was my favorite when I was young. And, and I really enjoy that, you know, uh, you know, how she's progressed and now she's like, she's a real leader type now, um, which is really cool. It's cool to see a character go from, you know, the audience kids stand in to being somebody that I can totally see as, you know, a full, full blown team leader. So it's great. It's great to have that. Um, and I enjoyed, uh, uh, how they dealt with the characters they had one of the comics they had, uh, um they put a copy i don't know if it was a full old comic but they put at least a large excerpt of an old uh x-men comic that had this hellfire fire club uh set of hellfire club events in it um it was around the time it was like slightly before dark phoenix and then they had tie-ins to that really old comic which was really cool okay it sounds like you're talking about like the uh like the last volume where um where one of um like like where where like Sebastian Shaw wanted like you know he one of his like you know ex lovers to be brought back yeah and then Emma well, told him that oh no it's like she she never died yeah okay that was really cool yeah and that was actually the thing is there is like that I don't think that was actually like you know like them repurposing old art that was they actually got like an old school artist Klaus Jansen to just draw those oh those, no, no. I know what you're talking about. Okay. They, they did do that, but there wasn't a literal rep reprint of an earlier one. Um, that's from the dark Phoenix area, mm. the comic before that. Okay. Maybe, Hey, uh, maybe, uh, I was, uh, reading, you know, something else. Cause I had, uh, I don't know. Maybe somebody had pointed me to the other one. It, this, this was, I read this like two weeks ago. And so my memory's a little, a little fuzzy, but I totally, I totally read that, that, that section. I'd have to look it up uh, online to say it. Anyway, the point is, yeah, uh, that was really cool. Um, uh, it wasn't just uh, the, the old lover. It was also one of his friends. Um, oh yeah harry leland yeah harry leland was brought back i mean harry Le leland's been gone since basically the 80s mm -hmm. so you know that's interesting it's cool uh that they brought him back um i don't 
I did read a couple others. Uh, I don't really have a lot to say about. It. I skimmed over X Force. I probably should have read X Force more. There are now, a couple. Yeah, it's of... like, I was like, I, I, as like before we get into like the stuff, I'm saying like, yes. It's like yeah, you people could have read X Force and gotten more about the storylines we're going to talk about, but no, you don't need to read them. So you don't need like... to. There's one scene. There's one, you know, like a reveal in it. There's a couple that... have way more. Uh, impact if you had read X Force. I think I think it says it's like more about like a, like that Tickman is willing to like you know play nice with like you know what what everyone else is going to do with the uh, with the X Men franchise going forward from him. Yeah. So like I think and I think that's cool. But as far as like going forward to uh, like Inferno, well, Inferno like this time around is basically hinges all around like like you know the like the relationship between uh, Mystique. And um, it's like in her ex-wife, um, Destiny. Because like, if you remember from the, uh, everyone remember from the uh, um, House of X and Powers of X miniseries, they were the result of Moira Metagra dying in her third life. Because Moira, like, um, apparently has, as we, as it was revealed in the uh, in that miniseries, she is a mutant and she has the power of resurrection. And and like when she dies, apparently she she wipes out the timeline. That um that that she was living in. Now, people may like like this. You know, wait wait a second. Now, when she dies, like shouldn't the timeline continue on as is? It's like, well, no, by normal time 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 travel standards, yes. But apparently, it's like something that's made explicit for this for like for the storyline. Like whenever Moira dies, the uh, timeline she's in wipes out. Whether or not you like you think that that's fair play, it's like that's irrelevant because that's that's apparently those are apparently the rules that hickman has 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 set up for this this uh set up for like for moira but basically in her third life moira was killed um by it's like um by pyro after destiny ordered her ordered him to like burn her alive because moira decided hey you know what it's like 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 uh because in moira's third life she she discovered a cure for mutanity and um it's like, and that was something that um, that Destiny and Mystique were not having any part of, and um, well, and so like that's after that that timeline, Mora basically invested her subsequent lives in finding ways for like mutants to succeed, and by her tenth life, this the the current um, X Men timeline that we're a part of, the House of X Powers of X timeline, well, apparently it looks to have worked, but the thing is, like Mora has also taken herself out of the board off of the board it's like in order to you know ensure that this timeline sticks but um one of the things is that she's worried about is like you know like mutant precogs coming coming back but it's also seems like you know she's just basically got a specific issue with um destiny coming back because you know she's uh because because of the whole like you know ordering pyro to burn her alive thing in her third life so there's that but as um as we start with uh, with Inferno, we find out that the X Men are still trying to find ways to um, defeat Orcus, the um, anti mutant um, human human machine science collective that are that are that are that have been determined to um, wipe wipe them out. And apparently, like even though it's like you know like they've been like sending like you know specific teams to do this, it's like they're not making any progress because well, whenever like the teams die. In an assault against Orcus, they're too far out from. 
like from the from the X-Men collective to for them to like remember like you know how their it's like you know how their mission failed. And so that's that's it. And so this is causing um like Professor X Magneto, who let's remember, are the only two mutants who are aware of Moira's existence to um like to question like you know what's going on with her. It's like what's going on with their plans. Like, yeah, you know what? Like we've been trying to like you know work this out, and everything we've been doing has only like you know served to ensure the rise of like of Nimrod, and um, it's like and um, it's like in this like um anti mutant machine machine consciousness, and so they're so like the Professor X Magneto was telling you you know have you considered like you know making um trying to make good with the X with machines, and we're like, no, it's like I for a thousand years, it's like I know what. What works here? It's like I'm telling you what you need to do, and also it's you know with um you stringing along Mystique like in terms of, like you're bringing back bring promising her to bring back um Destiny. It's like you need to actually like make some efforts to like make sure that's not an issue. And so uh, this is like the big thing with the first with the first issue of, of Inferno is like is um it's like is Moira trying to like you know make make the stakes clear for like for um Xavier and Magneto and also just like establish that oh wait you know you can't bring back um like make make so that you can't bring back um destiny but also and you know i know this is like over 20 minutes into the podcast at this point but hey i think this is a good point to point out that we're going full spoilers here from here on out because you know like we really can't talk about you know inferno without you know like you know talking about like spoilers for like you know what's going on for like, the storyline and also what's going to talk about going to talk about with um t- x lives and excess of the wolverine so just just i should mention that to, to you earlier rob but i guess um before going on with that you know how do you feel about mystique you know do you feel so, how, do you, how do you feel about like you know, what um xavier and you have done to her so far um so yeah, how do I feel about Mystique? See, I have a lot of thoughts about this, but I haven't really been, care- you know, I don't have a lot of empathy for Mystique. Uh, Mystique Neither do always, I, but go on. Yeah, Mystique has always been in it for herself, so I'm kind of okay with what they've been doing. I, there mu- clearly, there must have been a better way to deal with her. Um, like, you know, they could have told her that because Destiny died a long time ago. Maybe they could have told her that uh, that they never had a backup of Destiny or something like that, but they just kept putting it off instead. Um, so from Mystique's perspective, I understand her being really angry um, because, you know, this is this is her, her wife. That she, there's nobody more important to her than Destiny. And, and furthermore, you know, here, here we are in a society where they they are accepting, you know, apocalypse and Mister mm-hmm. Sinister and you know all these these villains. Well, yeah. Well, they they, they kind of had to accept Sinister. I mean, like I, I know what you're saying, but at the same time, like Sinister seems to be like a more like I mean, like yeah, apocalypse. Apocalypse seems to have made like a uh, a hero turn, like in Hickman's era. Sinister, I, however, well, it's like. They're only like entertaining his like um, acceptance onto the council because they need him for his genetic his genetic database more than anything else. Right, but I, the only point I'm trying to make is they're letting all these flat out you know like like lifelong you know 
terrible villains right on but they won't resurrect destiny somebody who um would benefit them in such an incredible way because if you don't know about moira why would you not want a precog mm -hmm. that could help you in that way destiny is incredibly valuable and so mystique has got to be you know super suspicious there's something going on i i totally don't blame mystique for um not being happy about uh, uh how they're treating her yeah it's like and i agree with you about like, you know the whole mystique you know big like you know like being in it for herself and that's yeah, you know, that's kind of my feelings about the characters that you know it's like she's like in this been only been in this for herself and like the, the times that like i've been i've enjoyed her as a character basically been when she's been kind of like press ganged into working for like the good of mutants like you know because like someone's implanted bombs in her head like mm -hmm. in um like the dark x-men storyline or even her solo series when she was working for um like like for xavier that that time but at the same time it's like this whole thing like you know xavier and magneto thinking that they could like you know string mystique long like i'm looking at this and thinking my god like you guys are like, some of the smartest people in mutant kind and you should have seen this coming i mean like yeah agreed they sh like them string mystique along is dumb they if i was them i would have just like thrown her in the pit along with Sabretooth because that, that this is a this is like the end result you know she like she would have just like you know like like burn them at some point which she does in the in the first issue because we find out at the end that you know she's brought she's she's brought back um De destiny and she's managed to um like um convince the uh quiet council to um vote to like to, to like allow um destiny onto the quiet to the quiet council at the same time in fact it's also kind of it's worth mentioning that you know like the whole what you said about the, the value of a precog um like to this like to like the whole to the value of mutanity that's the whole argument she pitched to um it's like to um uh, um uh, uh, exodus yes it's like about um about, about her about the uh it's like her about why you want to um have her on the quiet council so and basically it's like you know when this happens like you know moira is pissed and she's like you know like what have you done like you know like i had you guys had one job don't bring back any precogs and well it's like that's at this point like you know xavier and magneto are basically saying like okay well what if we bring someone else onto this onto this team what if we what if we bring in emma you know because you know like emma's been kind of responsible responsive to our like to our aims and all because like hey you know they got her on board like saying hey you know like they come on board like for like to the quiet council for the sake of the children and you know I mean, we all know like you know that didn't go well <laughs> yeah uh now we're getting into the many things that that i have to say about this and i don't know if you want to just describe everything that happens first or you know have me bring up my my opinions as, as we go along um one thing i think that is important to mention is I think it's important since this is a full spoiler uh, podcast, we should mention because people might go, well, how did Mystique manage to bring Destiny back? Well, she used deception to convince the five, which is the five mutants that are able to resurrect people into doing it themselves. Um, mm -hmm. 
so uh, she disguised herself as uh, Professor X and then uh, told Hope that she could um, would have a chance at, at using Cerebro for the first time to uh, implant the memories into Destiny. She convinced them to resurrect Destiny and then had uh, Hope do the, um, uh, the memory implant in, implantation, and it worked. Yeah, and I think this is probably something that's probably going to have like long term ramifications now that, you know, like Hope can do this. Yes. It's like it's going to like, you know, like it's not going to be completely beholden to Professor X. Yeah. Like to do but, this. And, but I, so I don't think that, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. I think this is like a, a good thing that like opens up possibilities, you know, for like for the storyline, especially um, when we get into like X Lives and X Death of Wolverine, when we get the bit where um, like they've got issues with resurrecting um, Omega Red with his carbonadium synthesizer. Yeah. And um, well, Hope says like, you know, this is like kind of a bad thing. And Beast goes, no, you're cooks. We're giving you the recipe. Now you cook. But that's getting ahead. Of, I'm getting ahead of things here. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to do you want to just go through and describe everything, and then we can talk about my opinions about it, or do you want me to talk my about my opinions as we bring up each point? Oh, you can go go, for, go ahead with your opinions because, like the uh, second, because the second issue of um of of Inferno is basically it's, it's mostly centered around just like you know like the like the, the machinations that you know Mystique was was doing to bring back um that destiny and also like you know like them trying like Xavier and Magneto trying to shore up their like you know their side of things and things going badly so right yeah so go ahead and say say and so to your opinions about this so yeah so they let they let Emma in on the secret they they um they bring her to Moira in, introduce her to Moira, explain that, uh, that she's a mutant and, uh, and that, you know, her powers and everything, she's lived all these lives. And, and then we, you know, this is, this is, they're trying to succeed this time by doing everything differently. And Emma is really mad that they kept this secret from her, which I'm annoyed about because of of all of the characters in, you know, there are certain characters that I consider in X-Men to be extremely pragmatic. And mm -hmm. I think Emma is one of them. And I think my opinion is that Emma would understand. I can understand her mm -hmm. being mad, but I think that she would understand the value in having a backup plan. If it still doesn't succeed. Cause you said, Jason, in the beginning, Oh, it looks like this one worked. You, you don't know that. They haven't been able to stop Orcus. There is no reason to believe that this plan has worked yet because, uh, because Moira has gone much further in the future with her other plans and they have failed. So I, it is way premature to have the idea that it has worked at this point. Um, so uh, I, I do believe that the, the idea that is implanted, I don't remember if this is in the first issue, the second issue, or what issue it is. Um, there is an idea that's, in, that's supposed to be given to the reader. And I think this is Hickman kind of giving himself a, an out. Um, I have an overall opinion about this series that I'm kind of waiting to say, but um, uh, there is a character called Omega Sentinel. Oh, yeah. Omega Sentinel is working with Orcus and she reveals that she came from the future. 
that her consciousness was sent into the past, uh, into her body. That's that's how I understood it. That's how um, it is. Okay. And she says, so Moira does her thing. She's lived nine lives before this one. And she says, the machines always win, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Omega Sentinel is a machine. She says, I've been sent back because the mutants always win. So this is an idea that's supposed to be implanted in the reader. Oh, we don't know. Maybe they'll win this time, right? That's what's implanted into the reader. Sure. Okay. But the X-Men don't know that. Moira doesn't know that. Mystique doesn't know that. Destiny doesn't know that, even though she's a precog. Because, you know, she doesn't know, as she says, in, in the, I don't remember, maybe it wasn't this comic, or maybe... No, I see, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying about, um, about Destiny. I think that the out there that um, Hickman was giving her was the fact that, um, you know, what, what was going on in the future when um, Doug Ramsey shows up. So it's like the whole, like, you know, what what goes on here has, like, you know, great ramifications of the future. So it's like she probably wasn't able to see as far as, like, as you know, what, what happened after he showed up. Yeah, I mean, we can talk more about that. But, okay. but at one point she says, I don't see the future. Mm -hmm. That's that's the point of, of, you know, she doesn't see exactly how things are going to happen. She has a series of, of she basically can see, uh, my assumption is a series of possible futures. Yeah, but I think the thing is that we're, that we're meant to take away with um, Omega Sentinel storyline is that this is like an inverse of Days of Future Past. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, like, in this is like, you know, where like the mutants, like, you know, like finally lose. It's like, no, it's like the mutants win and they're able to, like, you know, just like take on the, like, the, like, the machine, um, like, dominions, it's like, from in the future. And now Omega Sentinel has come back from the past, for the further from the future, to make sure that that doesn't happen. Right. So. Okay. So, um, I, I, that is something that the reader knows, and that's for the reader. Mm -hmm. But I just want to say that the actions taken by Emma, she doesn't know that. She doesn't know about mm -hmm. a Omega Sentinel. So for her to react in the way she reacts, not only do I not feel like it makes sense in terms of, you know, her pragmatism or, you know, her understanding, I get it, you know, you had to keep it a secret because, um, you know, if anybody learned about it, you know, here's this way to undo everything, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, I don't even remember, I've blurred all of the uh, issues together. So I don't remember, you know, what happens in which things. So um, if you want to talk about the second or the third issue or whatever. I keep uh, going. Pardon me? Oh, go ahead and keep going. Okay. So, so the deal is that I'm just going to, I'm just going to start talking about Emma. I'm going to talk about what Emma does. Um, Emma uh, decides to uh, help Destiny and Mystique, which I think is totally nuts. It is completely reckless. And uh, this, she seemed, you know, the, all these people seem to think, uh, maybe it's not all these people, but, but Emma, and there's a point which I don't, I don't remember if Mystique was involved in this. I think for Mystique, it's personal, but, but, uh, um, Emma, at some point, for some reason, seems to think that, uh, you know, Moira's existence is dangerous 
because you know they can destroy everything that they have. Well, but the, the whole point is, is they don't know if it's going to succeed, and so she is the backup plan. And for her to go scorched earth or inferno, as you might call it, <laughs> um, and and side with Mystique and and Destiny, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I I, I was really not happy with that. Um. So. <sighs> okay, I can I can understand I can understand that I I feel that you know that um Emma has like she's she's been more emotional it's like and more personal about you know like her her attachment to like you know mutant destiny it's like and so I and so speaking for me personally I can accept the fact that you know she would like that that she would do this it's like you know as like as kind of a uh, you know it's kind of a way to spite um Xavier Magneto for what they what they did to her and also the fact that you know hey like but by doing this like you know she's not actually like risking anything by giving um just um seeking destiny the um the, the gun that will turn like forges a gun that will turn like um mutants into humans it's like you know like she can she can do this and it's like and not uh, and not actually risk risk anything um uh, she risks all of of the future of mutant kind that's what uh, she risks Except that by turning um, Moira into a human and by taking away her ability to reset the timeline, it's like I think that's like the thing. That's the thing right there. By turning her, I think we're meant to accept that by turning with Emma giving her giving them the means to turn Moira into a human, like they're sealing in like you know this timeline, you know, to be the one that counts. This timeline, the one that counts, that may wind up with them all dying anyway to the machines. Yeah, but this is also like you know it's like. It's, because they haven't been able to beat Orcus. Yeah, that's right. But also, it's like it's, you know, it, it's like the whole like you know Marvel like you know time, timeline thing. It's like you know, hey, this this timeline that we're in right now, it's the one that counts, and we've got to like you know make sure it matters more than anything else. It's the sacred timeline, for lack of a better term. I would like to know what Hickman originally planned. I I am hoping. I don't know that this is going to happen, but you know, it probably won't happen. I'd really love a, a, a series of what if comics hmm. that Hickman wrote that had the same artists that would show the original plan for the ending of the storyline, because I am not happy with this ending at all. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I can't, I can't really argue with, argue with you there because it's like, I, Cause like, I'm, and there's also like the, you know, this, the assumption that, you know, like one of the things that, like, that was, that was seated in this um, storyline is the idea that Moira lost her nerve in the sense that, you know, she realized that, oh my God, it's like, you know, we're trying to do things differently and oh my God, it didn't work. So I'm going back to Muir Island to get the uh, mutant cure and I'm going to try and find, find a way to seed it in order to like, you know, make sure that mutants like, you know, don't, don't come around any anymore this that and that is the second thing that i'm angry about mm -hmm. the the she so so first of all yeah i know she'd been visiting mirror island but it feels like it's like well uh you know everybody said hey we want to keep this and hickman's like oh man i had this plan well well what can i do to to uh to keep this this way well i guess if we make it so that Moira can't reset the timeline, that keeps it this way. Well, how would we do that? Well, I guess she'd have to be human. What can we do to 
to make her human or lose her powers. Well, you know, there's the Forge's gun and we'll give, you know, the destiny thing. We'll have Mystique do that to her, right? It mm-hmm. just, but, but there's got to be that motivation as well. You know, destiny in, in her third life, you know, they didn't do it then. They had the cure there. They could have done it to her immediately and then, and then wiped her and, and killed her there. Destiny hmm. clearly wanted her on their side. And so that's why they did the, not only did Pyro kill her, not only did Destiny have Pyro kill her, he had her kill her slowly. So yes. that she would remember that and not want to go through it again. And from then on, Moira completely stopped with the cure thing. Completely stopped. And I mean, like I lived a thousand years. How... How and then there was the whole thing, you know. This experience radicalized her, which was, I think, at the end of her uh, seventh life, or yeah, seventh life, because she went through and killed all the Trasks, right? Mm-hmm. And she realized that that the AI was an inevitability, and that radicalized her. And at that point, that means that she is full on on the mutant side, and that's when she went to she went to my Magneto, and then she went to um she went to apocalypse right because she's like this has got to happen i've got I'm, I'm all in on mutants and so i really i am i am the second thing i'm angry about is this idea that moira gave up and now just wants to cure all the mutants she literally wants to wipe them out by making it so that uh by making a cure that makes it so that uh mutants never even develop their powers so they don't even know what they're missing um this it, it flies completely in the face of the entire concept of this story arc. And I, and I hate it. I'm not going to argue with that, with that, with you about that there. I think that um, like me, I, I, the only way I can like, like say this works is that, you know, like maybe she felt, she felt that, you know, she was going to have another life to like, to work, to work this out. But well, we know that that didn't work because, and cause in the end, and, I guess you know, like this is like the only issue I have with like the the main issue I have with like with like Inferno is that um in the end it's like you know like 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 uh, Mystique and Destiny are able to get um Moira alone and depowered and like you know are and are basically gonna like find a way to take her out but uh, well uh, while um Xavier and Magneto are left to fight against um Omega Sentinel and um Nimrod which um. You no, know, it's kind of it's kind of it's kind of interesting interesting fight because I think that Hickman does a good job of of setting things up to uh, you know hey how things are how things are going to work out you know in a lot, nice logical fashion, but when um Doug when Doug Ramsey shows up at the end it's like on one hand it's like this is like I appreciate I like the way that he that he rations things out because like one of the things one of the other subplots for Inferno is that. Doug Ramsey has known Doug Ramsey and Warlock have known about everything that um that that um Xavier, Magneto, and Moira have planned. Cause you know, like they because they were tasked with like, you know, finding a way to communicate with um Krakoa. And they also had their own, you know, plans, you know, like way to like, you know, like, you know, since they were designed to like to find a way to do that, they were also able to find a way to like, you know make sure the tech responded to them as well. So they knew about everything that was going on in Moira's no place. Yeah. And the no place was supposed to be hidden even from Krakoa and Krakoa yes, knew as well because of Doug. Yeah. And it's like, and so when, and so on one hand, it's like a really like, you know, like 
oh, wait, let, let me tell you how things are going to go um, bit when um, Doug shows up to, uh, you know, to let, like, to let um, Mystique and Destiny know, like, how things are going to go. Because once um, Destiny and Mystique have made Amoria into a human, they basically made her, like, susceptible to the laws of Kokoa, which one of them is murder no man. And on one hand, it's like, okay, I can see how this works. But at the same time, it's kind of like, well, Doug, okay, I see what you're trying to do here. But considering what Moira's aims were, it's like your your actions here are more just like, you know, rules lawyer, like for the sake of yeah. being rules lawyer more than anything else. And on one hand, I it works for me because, you know, it's like, hey, I, I, any, any, any um, effort you make to troll Mystique for what she's been doing, it's like, hey, I'm fine with that. That's cool. But um, at the same time, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You know, it's like Let's... in terms of like the like the long term longevity of Krakoa as an as an as a nation state. Yes, and 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 yeah. Let's point that out. Doug shows up after it would have been most helpful. Mm-hmm. Doug, you know. Krakoa and Warlock alone can both handle Mystique and Destiny. Okay? Mm-hmm. Not Doug alone, but 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 they each of those characters alone can handle Mystique and Destiny. Um, they could have showed up before Mystique depowered uh, Moira because they knew what was going on the whole time. Mm-hmm. He chose to show up after. And that makes me mad because surely Doug and Warlock and Krakoa would want to have some kind of a backup. They, they've known about Moira all this time. So that makes me mad. The other thing that makes me mad is it has been established that depowered mutants on Krakoa are still regarded as mutants. Yes, because of the Crucible. Yes. And now they have like a souped up version of the Crucible, which is, I I think it's from maybe the X-Men comic or something like that, where they can choose to just walk into like the astral plane. I mean, there were two different things that they did. They had like a, they had the, the, the temple, uh, that that's in way of X. Um, they had that, that temple, uh, thing is that the one that they can just walk into and then decide that they want to come back as a mutant? It, like they, it eliminated the need for the crucible, so they don't have to do it slowly. They just they can just go in. Um, Moira check- could have come back that way as and get her gotten her powers back. Except, yeah, they said, oh, but there are no backups of, of you. Why weren't there backups of her? Because hmm. that would have been convenient for the storyline. Right. And I just, it feels like this is what happens when, when you don't follow through on an original plan. My, one of the things that I have learned over the years, I used to, you know, like primarily read, you know, Marvel comics and with some DC, but I didn't read a lot of it. And, and the big thing about, you know, putting the toys back in the box is that it allows you to tell a complete story. Right. Mm-hmm. So you tell your complete story and you put the toys back in the box. Right. Because if you don't put the toys back in the box, then maybe the, the story isn't done. Right. So so a lot of my favorite comics 
um, as an adult have been outside of Marvel and DC because they have to keep things going. So like Invincible, Invincible hadn't, <laughs> you know, yes. Um, you, 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 in this Hickman's previous work has been so good because he had an ending and it was such a good ending. You know, you, his fantastic four work and his Avengers work were just so great because he played now, it all out and he had his ending. And now when he's like cast to work with like, you know, a larger group of like writers, it's like in all the majority of whom basically decided that, Hey, you know, what? we really like the status quo you set up. We want to keep running with it. And that's antithetical to what his plan was. It's probably yes. the, the objective he was told he was like the remit he was given within Marvel. Basically like, I wouldn't be surprised if like, if Marvel told him, like, yeah, it's like you can do whatever you want. You just need to like be sure to bring X-Men back to like, you know, the 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 Academy in Westchester when you're done. Right. So, but at the end, it's like, you know, on one hand, it's like I kind of it's I kind of respect I respect the fact that like Kipman created like a status quo that you know the writers keep like are inspired to keep running with. But at the same time, you know, it's like like the storyline he was telling, you know, was just kind of like kneecapped. It's like at the yes. end. It's like, and in the end, it's like, you know, well, you've got other writers who are just going to, like, you know, are going to have to like, like force, like, you know, find their own storylines within what, what, what he was like, you know, setting up. And that's, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing with what we've got, but at the same time, yeah, you know, on one hand, while Inferno feels like, you know, a best effort in terms of like, you know, Hey, I'm just going to like, you know, wrap up what I was telling and like, you know, find some way to like, you know, shuttle off more uh, to, you know, some kind of like, you know, like, you know, like, like free for all status quo, like, you know, for what so other writers can, um, like do their own thing with it's like, you know, that's fine. But at the same time, you know, it's like, I can't say it's like wholly satisfying. It's like, like in, it's like in the end, I mean, it's like, it's, I enjoyed it. And at the same time, like seeing something, I, I read this entirely on Marvel, Marvel Unlimited. So like, you know, the fact that I wasn't, they didn't have to pay for it, you know, that's fine. So that's, that's plus as well. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it's like, it's, I say, I just kind of, I was kind of hoping, hoping for more here. And while I do think that there is like, there, there are some interesting like storylines to mind going forward specifically with, with Orcus. It's like, I think he, I think he does a good job of, le of leading that storyline up in the air in a way for like future writers to like, to, like to follow up on. Like, um, it's like, that's, that's good right there. It's like, in at the same time, he's also leaving, um, like, like leaving this, like the, uh, like, like storylines for, like for both Jerry Dugan in in X Men proper, and also Kieran Gylan in um, Immortal X Men to uh, to follow up on. Like that's, I uh, I appreciate that at least. Like, like there's there's a way there's a way forward for this, and you know in fact that way forward involves Wolverine, right? Yeah. Um... I have a couple more things to say about Inferno though, before go we go for it. Um, uh, I, I agree with you that I, I don't blame those other writers for wanting to keep the status quo. It is really interesting, but I guess I feel a loss that I don't get that original ending. I, I really, I would love it if they would do it in a, what if it would really help my, my, <laughs> my uh, uh, closure. It would give me closure. Um, yeah. I think I think you're right. With I would like to see like a what a what if style storyline. Like, you know, what if 
Jonathan Hickman was allowed to con- continue his X-Men storyline to the end. Yes. It's like, yeah, but at, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, it's like, it's, I, I wonder if this has like been the learning experience for Hickman. If he, if he realizes like any, cause apparently he's, well, he's got his own like, um, Creo and stuff going forward. It's like, I understand that he's apparently been contracted by Marvel for some other future project that we have, that has not been revealed. So I wonder if, if he's going, if this is going to be something that's going to involve other writers, or if it's going to be like his, his um, Avengers and Fantastic Four work, where he is the main architect going forward. Yeah, well, here's what I'm going to say to Marvel. I'm not going to read those comics until he's done, and it's been confirmed that he got to finish his storyline. That's fair. And if it hasn't, I probably won't read it at all. Um, so I got, I got a few... I got a few things, you know, there, here's some things that I missed about it. Like for one thing, maybe this is going to be resolved at some point in the future, but it's going to be by other writers. And I don't know, you know, like we still don't know why Kate pride can't use the portals. It's been this long. We still don't know why. Oh, that's, um, that's Jerry Dugan's storyline. Oh, okay. That's only his like Hickman had nothing to do with that. Yeah. It's like, I mean, oh, okay. like, like at the very end of um, Marauders, remember it's like that those last couple pages was, was Kate going to Mr. Fantastic? So, yeah, yeah, okay. Well, I is he still is he writing the rest the new? Oh, he's writing X Men right now. Okay, well, anyway, I hope that somebody answers that uh, that question because this is too long to not know why. Um, the one thing that I really uh, was excited about, and maybe you know, maybe this is my own fault. Uh, in in Powers of X, there was this character named Rasputin who was had a really cool character design, and there oh, was yeah, this, she was like Colossus meets magic, right? Yeah, she was she was she was Colossus uh Kitty Pride um because she was she had five different people she, in her. Yeah, she was a chimera, right? Yeah, she was a chimera. She had five different people uh different people in her and I and I forget the other ones. She, she didn't actually have magic in her, but she had my, she wielded the soul sword. Mm-hmm. Um so it was effectively like being six different people. But anyway, um the, the her that character ended by ripping um, Zorn's uh, mask off, which created, you know, released his singular singularity, right? And mm-hmm. so you said you made a point that when Moira dies, it wipes out the timeline, and there is nothing left of it. There was one; it was established in that comic that there is one exception, and that is that if somebody becomes a part of, uh, like the phalanx, or or they become, mm. they reach a certain level of consciousness they will know they will still retain their memories. And it was established that, uh, that those entities exist inside singularities. And so the question is because they seem to make a big deal about Rasputin, like she was in one of the, you know, in those tarot cards, um, Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, that Moira, uh, was around in the, in, in that. Oh yeah. I know what you're talking about. So, there's this impression like she was going to have some big impact and she, mm-hmm. she was cool in that comic, but she didn't really have, you know, like a big impact. I was under the impression that eventually she would somehow come into this timeline by being saved through that singularity somehow. Now that's just my, I'm not going to blame Hickman for that, but I have to wonder, was she going to, and did we not get to see it because of this early, early ending? Um, uh, Let's see, I'm, I'm scrolling through some stuff. You know, the 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 whole Araco thing, 
to me, you know, if this is the ending, yeah, they're going to have, they're going to do stuff with it in the future, but uh, it didn't seem to have any bearing on the ending of this story on, on, you know, Inferno. The only bearing it had is that Bay the Blood Moon was in there to fight. That was, Mm -hmm. that was the third character that could take Mystique and uh, Destiny on alone. Um, That they were there in that, uh, in that final uh, scene with, with Doug and, uh, and the others. Um, You know, it felt like the author writing half a book and then leaving that, that compared to his previous works. Yeah. Um, regarding the, the Arako mutants, that seems to be something that's going to be um, followed up on in X-Men Red. And okay. it was also touched upon in Sword. Um, because okay. that was that was a series written by um, Al Ewing, who gave us um, the Immortal Hulk. And um, I, if you haven't read Sword, Rob, I highly recommend it. Because let's just say that um, Ewing has done a really interesting take on Abigail Brand. The, uh, yeah. So I was reading it, but because of time constraints and it felt like it wasn't really going to lead into Inferno, which it didn't. It, um, it, it doesn't, I, but yeah, but, but yeah, it's like, if you were, if I would recommend reading, reading through like, cause it's 11, 11 issues so far and it's going to lead directly into um, X-Men Red, which is also going to okay. pick up. I imagine it's going to pick up on, cause he was, he was writing a really great, um, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy series at the same time as well. But okay. apparently both series were canceled just because of sales. But now he's, he's given he's given the chance to like keep pulling pushing those storylines forward into X Men Red. But because okay. like basically like you know Storm is now on the, the it's the head of the Great Council, the Great Ring on um on Mars. Like she's basically leading the Arako mutants now. Yeah. And also um, Abigail Brand. Well, if you're not aware of what her perspective on all this is you really should read sword because oh my god he's found a ewing has found a really great perspective for the character to take and also well he's found a way to give um henry peter gyrick the what he's but he's what's been coming to him for a couple decades now okay well maybe i'll have to i'll have to finish that up i have one final thing to say about inferno yes or it's a question yeah uh there's a scene where he is fighting nimrod he yeah. and Xavier are fighting multiple Nimrods. Magneto and, he, and or Magneto and Xavier. Yeah, he he and Magneto. Sorry, and Xavier appears to disassemble Nimrod's head with uh, his, yeah. some kind of power. What is that? Uh, man, it's like you know. I know that Xavier has basically been described as a mega mutant in terms of psychic power, right? Um, and that you know, Z- Jean Grey has basically been. Like described as like you know also in in terms of psychic power but also but not in terms of uh, psychic power but not in terms of telekinesis right um yeah it's like in order to make that scene work i have to assume that xavier has that we're assuming that xavier has some you know psychic power or some telekinetic power or that you know his his uh psychic his his telepathic power was enough to convince um, Omega to uh, Nimrod to disassemble himself to that point, but not any further. I mean, it's like, I know what you're saying. And I know it's like, it's a bad, um, it's a bad plot plot point right there. Based on what we know about the characters, like power limits and all. Yeah. This is like a, a, a no prize moment in yeah. the sense that, you know, we've got to like say, well, you know, like, 
Xavier was able to like you know convince Nimrod to, to disassemble himself based on his like telepathic influence on the character's like you know actual mind, but no further. You know yeah. that kind of that kind of thing. Okay, we can talk about uh, Wolverine now. Sorry okay. about that. No, no, it's like it's cool because you know basically with Wolverine with um the follow up series you know X lives next deaths of Wolverine or ten lives and ten deaths of Wolverine. Well, basically this is like not as long to talk about because basically it's basically a question of like of whether or not how cool you think the idea of what but what if wolverine was in had to relive both quantum leap and the terminator <laughs> yeah eh? Eh? yeah yeah the 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 live series mostly follows that storyline yep and the death series seems to follow what happens to moira yeah and I and I want as and I appreciate the fact that you know it's like the uh, like the live series like you know it's basically like you know Wolverine you know jumping through like you know his past lives to um, to stop Omega Red from trying to take out you know like Prof- Professor X you know from, from being born and this is something that you know well it's like if you've been reading um, X Force which we haven't well there probably be like a lot more sense. But at the same time, you can just accept the fact that, oh, like, you know, Mega Red has gone bad. It's like, and he's like, you know, accepted like, you know, Mikhail Rasputin's like, you know, offer of like, you know, hey, it's like, you know, you want to get in good with the Russian government and be like a um, good Russian Russian mutant for the Russian government? Then you need to like, you know, I need to stab you with the Cerebro sword so you can go back in time and kill um, Professor X before you have a chance, chance to form the X-Men, which, you know, is a perfectly serviceable superhero storyline. The uh, the parallel series, um, um, X Death of Wolverine is basically a Moira, like following up on Moira after she um, like, is able to escape from, like from the no place after like um, like after after uh, Doug Ramsey Cipher, basically like you know points out the uh, problems with uh, with, uh, with Mystique and uh, Destiny killing her right there. I mean, not that this actually stops Mystique from, you know, trying to go, trying to go, trying to kill Moira in the real world. It just stops her from killing her right then and there. So now Mystique is just going to go and try and kill her in the real world without any, like, you know, proper repercussions. Only with the added complication of a uh, phalanx-infested Wolverine coming back from the future to apparently um, kill, kill Moira for reasons, which... You know, it's like on one hand, it's like like this series is written by um Benjamin Percy. Both like they're they're two ten issue, two five issue miniseries that are like very interconnect interconnected. And to um Percy's credit, he's got like, you know, some solid twists, you know, for how they're they're supposed to play out because it's not just, you know, Wolverine going back in time, quantum leaping to stop Omega Red. Well, because Mega Red has, you know, additional, like, means of, like, you know, possessing people. And also, it turns out that, you know, it's not just, like, you know, him going back in time, like, like, uh, in serial. It's going back in time, like, at the same time as everything is happening. And also, you know, when I say that, you know, like, the Wolverine, I guess, coming back in the future to kill Moira. Well, you know, he may actually be, like, the bad guy in this scenario. You know? So, Rob. Yeah, uh, your thoughts? So, uh, I don't have a lot of thoughts about the lives one. It's <laughs> it's okay. 
Um, you know, it's a standard, oh, go back in time and save, you know, the person thing. Yeah, that's okay. That's fine. Um, it kind of felt like a, you know, what if Creed was a Omega Red thing for a while because he was showing up and, you know, the, the, he would, you, you revisit these past periods of, of uh, uh, Wolverine's life and uh, he would show up at, at certain points and, and at first it seemed like, you know, he was in a, in a similar position as uh, where, you know, Sabretooth was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, you know, didn't, it, that didn't really continue past like the first issue or something. That was just my first thought. Um, but the, I, I have a fair amount to say about the, uh, the 10 deaths of Wolverine. So that's basically the one where, like, we're it's basically meant, the missions were meant to convince, where it's meant to convince us that Moira is the new ex villain, right? Yes, and and again, I'm not happy about that. Um, the first thing I want to point out is Wolverine comes back in time to kill Moira because Moira makes a, basically becomes a post human. And kills all the mutants, which means, again, that the mutants do not win in this timeline. And the only reason that she did that is because Mystique depowered her. So it just is this comic in itself is an argument for why the previous comic should not have been written that way. (laughs) So it's like, I think, like, are you you giving the slow clap right now? Yeah. yeah it's like i i know i know what you mean it's like like i mean like turning more into a villain at this point just really seems kind of reductive as is the fact that you know hey that you know she wears banshee as a skin suit and oh that was like, awful yeah that, that was like what i mean like, on one hand i i mean it takes a lot to like you know like shock me like in terms of like you know like what like superhero comics can do at this point but i mean i want to kind of respect that jesus man it's like that was messed up and i can respect that fact for shocking me but at the same time it's kind of like oh man that's it's kind of awful especially when, but also it's kind of treated as an afterthought you know because like we yeah. just get that one data page and then the next page is like oh well she's wait, she's like she's got like oh what there's banshee like oh my god this is skin oh my god she's wearing is in the skin suit oh yeah that's it's it's too much I mean, on one hand, it's like I, I kind of, I, I respect you know, uh, um, the writer Benjamin Percy for his, like you know, for offering like you know, like like the twists he does in the storyline. But at the same time, it's like I can't say that this is like a uh, a big kind of like game changer. It doesn't it doesn't sell me on the idea of Moira as a as an excellent villain. Is it? It just feels kind of like it just feels reductive. Like I was saying, like yes. you know, oh, it's like you know, she's the villain now. It's like oh yeah, it's like. This is exactly like the old way I think like you know things would have gone after after Inferno, and that's okay. That's yeah. fine. And apparently, like, and apparently, according according to like some of the, like some of the free comic book day storylines that are supposed to be coming out, that apparently she may be wearing um, Mary Jane Watson to the um, next Hell, Hellfire Gala. Now, oh, I I don't think that she's wearing Mary Jane as a skin suit because I I, I imagine like. The um, Spider-Man office would have been saying, "Whoa, nope, yeah, not gonna happen." But I imagine like that's that's only that's, that's there's some there's gonna be some writing around that, you know, there. So, yeah. 
but as far as like you know Mora being mean to a villain, I mean it's like okay, I can see that based on the writing, like how how Hickman exited um, Inferno. But just like to have her set up as a villain just kind of feels like, yeah, okay. I mean, maybe it's something that would have made it's something that makes sense. Maybe it's something I would have felt more emotionally invested in, you know, when I was a younger younger person as opposed to you know twenty years ago, as opposed to right now when I just look at this and go, oh yeah, it's like you're just taking the path of least resistance here. I yeah. see. It should have. Um... For for me to buy that, there needed to be some epiphany on her part where she realized in some way that most or all mutants were evil. But basically, Mystique is evil. And because Mystique is evil, she now calls, she literally calls all mutants devils in this comic. I, you know, well, I guess if you're, I guess if you're using Mystique as your like, you know, moral guide, guide, um, guideline for mutants, then yes, I can see how that would be, but, you know, it's like most mutants aren't Mystique, so. Yeah, it's just, I'm, I'm frustrated. And there's a later quote in the comic that says, "Forever is where I live. I tried to take you all with me, but you chose not to come. No, Destiny, Mystique, and Emma chose to ruin the." the mutant races fail safe insert sad trombone here it's just it's just terrible i'm i'm so mad and and then in it xavier is xavier has decided to side with everybody else he's not well the quiet council you know because they they told emma told the whole quiet council and they're all okay with with you know hunting moira and I'm just, it's just, it's stupid. I'm, I'm just, I hate this, this whole thing. Um, and then um, she uses the gun on, what is it, Forge? And then she says, uh, make some comment about it. How do you, how does it feel to lose something central to you? But, but she's claiming that she wanted to cure everyone. So it's not central to her. It just doesn't make any sense. It's just terrible. Yeah, I think that you know, with Forge, it's like it's not a big, de- it's not a big deal because you know, like worst case scenario is that you know he just kills himself and they bring him back. Yes, see, and she could have done it too. They could, well, except of course they say that she doesn't have a Cerebro backup. I just, it's just why you can't tell me that because they've never mentioned that before. They've never mentioned before that Moira doesn't have a Cerebro backup. It would have been so important for for her to have a backup. She is the single most important person. Otherwise, you know, why protect her so much? Why have I, her hiding? I think you're right. And you know, when I told you when I, I asked you about like you know contributing to this podcast, I said, like, "Hey, Rob, I think you're gonna have opinions about this." Yes. I mean, this is this you is what. I, yeah. It's yeah. so, like I mean, like, and I really can't can't blame you for. Like for like like for this, it's like and and yeah, it's like I think that a lot of this, like between um, Inferno and X Lives and X Death of Wolverine, is just them scrambling to, you know, like find a way to like make all this make sense, you know, to like the longtime readers of of X Men like me. Yeah. So, so like I, I mean, I, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh uh, no, it's like I and you know, on one hand, it's like you know, it's like I can, it's like I can accept 
it's like I can accept this. I mean, like I, I mean, it's like it's, it's not like you know, it's not like act actively awful in the sense that like, you know, like oh my god, it's like I gotta stop reading X and this. I mean, like, I can, I can make a lot of the stuff work, like thinking about it. But at the same time, I can acknowledge that by, I can I can acknowledge that idea like what you're saying is like this is like, this is not how it was meant to go, and you know this is just like you know people like making trying to scramble to make this work, like like in order to like you know keep other people reading. So yes, but also I will say that I do like what um what Jerry Dugan um did in his first volume of X Men, basically um. Like finding finding ways finding new storylines to, to tell within the uh, like the status quo that Hickman set up basically with like um with Orcus and also with the uh, X Men Resurrection um status as well and also um with when you say that we when I hear that Kieran Gylan is um writing um the Quiet Council books Immortal, Immortal X Men then oh my God it's like I am gonna be there for that because Gylan you know has not disappointed me. Like in terms of like you know what he's written. In fact, the uh, the fabulous uh, Mister Sinister that you know we both love, that mm-hmm. that was him. He was the guy who established um, Sinister, that persona of Sinister, yeah, someone who like basically was cloning himself because he realized that you know he was the best of all of all things. Yeah, and he's basically and apparently like there's something in the first issue of Immortal X Men that apparently that he that um that that um Galen is running with 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 Mr. Sinister that I, I, I am not exposing myself to, but I want to find out about that once the first volume comes out. Yeah. I expose myself to it. Okay. Don't tell me what it is, but I'm not you know, going, like, but yeah, it's like, I, I, it's a, I think that I, I'm on board with what, whatever Guylin is doing. And you know, it's like, I guess given all the uh, decades that I've been reading for X-Men, it's going to take like a lot more than just, you know, these, uh, these like disappointing storylines to like, get me to stop reading. I mean, like, I don't think these storylines are bad, but I can realize that, you know, like there was, but they could have been much more, you know, had Hickman. I mean, my feeling is like, yeah, Hickman wasn't necessarily dealt a raw deal, but just the fact that I would like to have seen like, you know, if everyone just like, you know, march in lockstep with what he was doing and we kind of probably could have gotten something better. And then they could have gone on to do whatever they wanted to do after that. Yeah. I want to um, I want to say that when I express my uh, uh, disappointment uh, in this podcast, it, it comes from a place where um, uh, I think it was issue two of was it Powers of Ten, the one the the you know the the so many lives of more Moira Tiger, yeah. that issue, I loved that comic so much, that issue so much that I made people that don't read comics read it. um because i and and so i was very invested in what is going to happen with moira so to have it be like this was extremely disappointing okay Uh, so when you say that you got people who who, uh, haven't read like you know x-men to get get to read this so what did iris think about this oh no no (laughs) no, i didn't sure no i know i know it's not that i didn't mean uh i you know, these are people that like the X Men. I'm talking about I'm talking about my wife and my uh, uh, sister in law. Um, with you know, they they watch the X Men cartoons. My wife has read a few of the X Men comics. She read Grant Morrison. I bought her X Men comics. Pardon me. 
I've bought her X-Men comics. Yeah, yeah. She's Maurice has read uh Grant Morrison's new X-Men, but it's not like, you know, she's she, you know, she doesn't she's not been actively reading them, right? She right. hasn't read them in a in a long time. Um but I was like, you need to read this one. Mm-hmm. Um so uh so that I was really invested in in what would happen to Moira and this is this is probably one of the worst outcomes I could have had and and there's this the other thing is is that I I I also had high expectations because of how how well Hickman's other storylines have ended so this I know this could have been amazing and it is very likely that it was not amazing. I really doubt that this was his plan. I really doubt that his plan was to have Moira become a villain. Okay, so basically, it's like I kind of feel like you know, in the end, it's kind of like, yeah, it's like it was. I was disappointed, but it's not like a huge. I wouldn't say it's like a huge deal breaker with me in terms of like you know my ongoing readership with the X Men, but it's like I imagine like your opinion is is just. Of this is like it's just kind of like going no 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 yeah, no, yeah. no. I'm curious about what they're going to do. I mean, like I said, the the other writers, you know, from their standpoint, absolutely. Sometimes when I watch, you know, I'll watch a TV show and they'll do something radical in an episode, and I'll go, you know what? It would be so cool if they just kept this. You know, you mm-hmm. know, it's going to be reversed at the end of the show. But what if they didn't? And how crazy would that be? And um. And, and from that perspective, I do respect this idea. Um, so I don't want to say, I, I agree with you that if, if I had the time to read, to continue reading X-Men comics, because I read, I basically read these specifically, you know, I was going to read the Hickman ones, you know, I was going to come back when I knew that it was done. Hmm. Um, but I have not, I had not read X-Men comics for a long time, uh, before that. So, um, you know, I still, you know, I agree with you. If, if, if you like X-Men comics, continue to read because there's a lot of good stuff coming out. Like I said, it's not actively awful. Yes. I, I mean, the, the Moira elements make me angry and, and, and. So if you take those out or you just go, oh, well, that was too, too bad and disappointing. You have a bunch of other comics that are going to do some really interesting things in this environment. Like Marauders. Yeah. Like Marauders. Immortal X-Men looks like it has a lot of promise. Um, So, you know, we'll see. Uh, I have been reading, you know, the, the other X-Men series and it has been interesting as well. Um, I did want to say there's one other X-Men series that I saw that I was not aware of. Um, have you heard of House of XCII? Oh, the uh, X Men um, '92 comic. Basically, it's like you know, what if like you know, House House of X, Powers of X, have been done in the context of the uh, animated X Men series? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I just skimmed it because I didn't, I didn't have time uh, to, um, I didn't have time to read the whole thing before this. But you know, I kind of skimmed over it just to see what was different. You know, look to see, and they. They, the, the, the basic concepts are there, but they made some major, a couple major changes. There, there was one major change that's, it's mildly amusing. 
Um, if you don't want me to spoil it, I will not. Oh, I know. I, I think I know what you're talking about because, like, about who takes Moira's role in this. Yes, <laughs> yes. Yeah, because like you, one of your favorite mutants, in fact, <laughs> my my least favorite. But the way it was done was pretty funny. <laughs> it just it really seems out there. I got to be honest. It just seems really out there. Like like whoever was writing this was like, oh, would this be really goofy? And they did it. Yeah, but like you know that that X Men that the animated X Men series from the nineties holds a uh, like holds a like great sway over like you know like people's mindsets, including yes. on the mindsets of people who made um the new Doctor Strange movie. Oh no! Okay, I don't want to hear anything more. You'll you want, want you want more. You want just t- just pay attention to the you'll just don't listen. tell me anything more. We're done with Doctor Strange. Okay. Okay. Talk about X Men. <laughs> okay but um but i guess it's like in the end it's like you know it's like it's like it's this this whole these whole storylines weren't enough to get us to stop you know reading x-men but well it's like i guess i'll be continuing to write about x-men for the future but um rob it's like i guess i guess we'll be we'll be talking talking to you about this unless it's a very very special um like occasion in the future right probably yeah i'm not gonna have a lot of time and it's not because of this comic. It's not because of these comics. It's just because uh, the time investment has been has been difficult recently. So um, we'll see uh, at some point in in the far future. In, indeed. And I guess um, so, John. Um, you get any thoughts about you know this and all? No, I've been enjoying your conversation. So um, for the most part, yep. So no, I don't really have anything. However, um, I'm curious as to what you uh, have planned for the next podcast. Okay, well, it's like next time. It's like you know because of like you know the the time time frame and all. It's like it's going to be um, another buried treasures of manga, but it won't be at Faname. But it's likely going to be about um, Es Eternal Sabbath. It's got its own like X Men echoes as well, but you know not anything specific as to what we're talking about talking about here and again rob thanks for contributing to this and i look look forward to having you talk about something even if it's not x-men like you know in the future from here thanks jason thanks for having me on it's been a lot of fun i always love talking to you about this stuff and and yeah we'll we'll see some maybe sometime in the far distant future all right rob so hey it's been great talking to you it's like and well like i said in the future in the future maybe sooner than we think maybe all right thanks All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Clip. All right. Laters.